Today's sermon is called The Defeat at AI. You know, um, I would argue that for most of us, we learn more from our failures than our successes. And the reason is really simple is because what failures do is that they expose our mistakes. What they end up doing is that they expose our sins and our flaws in a much clearer way than success ever could. You know, there's a saying, trucks don't cause cracks in bridges. They only expose them. And in the same way, what failures do is that they don't cause these bad things within our, they don't, they don't cause our immaturity, they don't cause our sins, they don't cause our flaws, all they simply do is expose those things within our lives. But however, in the same way, it's through failure that we grow. Physically, we know this. It's through the constant friction of running and working out that our muscles are developed. It's through the constant friction of studying and reading that we learn new languages and that we are able to learn new subjects. And the Bible tells us that it is the same with our spiritual lives. When we go through failure and hardship, that is when our spiritual maturity is shaped and matured. 1 Peter 1 says that the character of our faith is proven genuine through trials of fire. That is not going to be through the successes of your life that God exposes the flaws and sins within you. It is going to be through the failures. It is going to be through the defeats. It is going to be through those bad times that God allows those sins to come up so that you are able to see them, repent, and turn back to the Lord. And you see, church, that's where we end up here in chapter 7. Because even though the city of Jericho is undoubtedly the most well-known city that Israel conquers, you cannot overestimate the life lesson that God teaches the Israelites in a little city called Ai. And in this chapter, God, he sees a sin that is so dangerous that he stops everything in order to teach them a lesson. Because, you know, in the very beginning, God, he promises the Israelites a couple things. He says, wherever you walk within this promised land, I will bring you victory. And not only that, as you walk, my presence will be with you always. But what we see here is that because of this hidden sin, because of something that happens here, because of the flaw that the Israelites had, God stops everything, and he teaches the Israelites that unless you learn and grow from this failure, you will not see the fullness of all that I am trying to give you. And so what we're going to do today is just look at two of those sins. What we're going to do today is just look at two of those lessons. The first is that God has given everything to the Israelites, and yet the Israelites had forgotten that. And second is that prayer needs to be the priority. You see, when we read about Jericho and Ai, we see that Joshua, he's using this battle strategy that was given to him by God. And the strategy was to enter the land of Canaan right in the middle and as they entered the land of Canaan in the middle, the first city that they encountered was the city of Jericho. 
And then what would happen is that if they defeated Jericho, the next city that they would go would be the city of Ai. And by conquering these cities, the Israelites would be going right through the middle of the land of Canaan, and they would be dividing the land so that they could take the southern part first, and then they could conquer the northern part second. What they were doing was simply dividing and conquering. And you see, as they were going into this land, in the beginning, there was no hitch. In fact, it was really easy. Because the first place they went to was the city of Jericho, and they didn't lose a single person in that fight. In fact, they didn't even have to raise a finger. They didn't have to raise a weapon. God simply gave it to them. But with AI, they lose, and they lose really badly. And the Israelites are confused. They're bewildered because they know that AI is a much smaller and weaker city than Jericho. They know that it doesn't have the walls. They know that it doesn't have the weapons. They know that it doesn't have the population of Jericho. And yet what they see is that they were defeated. And so the question is, what happened that caused them to win against Jericho and to lose against AI? The question is, did AI have some type of special strategy? Did AI have some secret weapon? Was there something different about the terrain of AI than Jericho? And the answer is no. Because what God was teaching them was that the reason they lost was not because of some external forces, was not because of something from the outside, it was because of something from the inside. The Israelites didn't lose because of how powerful the enemies were or how bad the circumstances had become, they lost simply because they were unfaithful to God. And so God's calling upon Joshua and upon the Israelites was, look, stop looking upon the outside. Stop looking upon the power of the city or the weak state of the enemy. I want you to look at yourself first. Because the sin that is in you is what is causing the defeat. It's not something from the outside. It's not the circumstance there. It's not how powerful the enemy is. It is something from within your camp. And unless you fix that, unless you turn back to me, unless you become faithful to me, we will not move forward from this position. You know, I've been able to speak with many of you. And I know that this season of your life has been one of the most distant that you have felt from God in a very long time. And I know that there are a lot of contributing factors to this, and it could be a lot of things with COVID. It could be with the changing and the multiple services that we're having. A lot of it could be even busyness and stress. But here in this passage, I believe that the first lesson God is teaching us is that before we look outside, before we look at the busyness of our schedule, before we look at the things that God could fix or the things that the church could do, God is telling us, look inside. Look at your own state. Look at the condition of your heart first, because the first place you need to look at is your own sin. Many times the reason that we are in the condition we're in is not because something God has done to us. It is simply because we have not dealt with the sin in our lives. And this is a call that God is giving to Joshua and to the Israelites. Stop looking outside. Stop looking at AI, stop looking at Jericho, 
look within your camp first. You see, God, he tells Joshua that the reason they lost was because of a sin inside the camp of Israel. And that sin is explained in verse 11 where God says, Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. You see, what God is talking about here is something that we read in verse 1 called the sin of Achan. Now, let me explain to you what Achan did so that you can understand his sin. When the children of Israel conquered Jericho, God, he gave them one command. And that one command was that everything in Jericho must be destroyed and sacrificed to him. That was the one command. He says everything within that city, all the people, all the possessions, all the gold, and all the silver, it must be destroyed and sacrificed to the Lord. But the Bible says that as Achan was walking through the city of Jericho, he saw a few things that he wanted, and so he went and he kept them. And so you read in verse 20, Achan, by his own testimony, says, I saw a beautiful Babylonian garment, and I decided to keep it. I saw 200 shekels of silver, and I wanted it, so I kept it. I saw a bar of gold, and I wanted it, so I kept it. And for Achan, you see, it must not have been that big of a deal. It must not have seemed like that big of a deal. It was just some money and, and a jacket. But because of this one thing, you see, God, he stops everything. And the sin was considered so great that God was willing to remove his presence from them and postpone his promises to them unless and until they dealt with Achan and his family. God knew that what Achan had done would completely destroy the relationship God had with the people of Israel. Because you see, the sin of Achan was that Achan believed that he deserved the silver. The sin of Achan was that, you see, he believed that he deserved that gold. The sin of Achan was that, you see, he believed that he deserved those clothes. Church, I want to tell you that the number one thing that will hinder you in your relationship with God is the belief that you have earned what God has already given you. See, back then, conquering nations would take whatever they wanted from cities that they defeated. And because they were the ones who conquered these cities, they could take whatever they wanted. If they wanted gold and silver, they would take them. If they wanted slaves, they would line up the men, women, children. They would take whoever they wanted. If they wanted possessions, then what they did was they, they took whatever clothes and livestock that they wanted. But the reason why God forbid the Israelites from taking anything was to show them that they did not conquer a single thing. The ultimate conqueror was not the Israelites. It was not them. It was God. It was through God's strategy. It was through God's power. And it was simply because God allowed it that they had victory in Jericho. And he proved it by making them not lift a single finger in defeating that, that city. And so by him saying, don't take anything, he was saying, I am the ultimate conqueror here. I am the ultimate winner here. 
You have simply followed me, but it was through my power. It is through my grace. It is through my blessing that you have what you have. You see, Achan had forgotten what God had done for him. He had forgotten that God was the one who had freed his father from bondage. That God was the one who had split the Red Sea. That God was the one who had conquered Jericho. He did nothing on his own. He simply followed after God, and God blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. And yet what ended up happening was that Achan forgot about this, and so he believed that the blessings that he had had from God, he had earned. Church, there are moments in our lives when we begin to believe that the walls that are coming down because of how hard we worked. There are moments in our lives when we believe that the walls are coming down because of how smart we are, because of how passionate we've become. But I want you to know that if something praiseworthy has happened, if a miracle has happened within your life, it is not because of how strong you are, but simply because you are following a God who is able to tear down any wall within your life. It is because you are following after a God who is able to break any chain that you are facing in this moment. It is because you are following a God who has already broken every sin and every chain and even death on the cross. That is why. And you see, every first steps class, we emphasize this. And we emphasize this so heavily within our church because we realize the miraculous events that have happened within this church over the past 20 years. It's not a normal thing to have over 150 missionaries all over the world. It's not a normal thing to have the budget that we have for a church our size. Our church started because God allowed us to start and is here only because God is sustaining us today. We believe that. With every, fiber of our, with every fiber of our being, we believe that. You know, last year I, I was able to go to the Korean like, Southern Baptist Convention down in Tennessee. And it was really great to be able to be with uh, some other pastors and, and hear their stories and hear about all these different churches and the things that they're doing. But it was also really interesting because for the vast majority of these churches, I would say 99% of them, they were only supporting maybe two or three missionaries at most. And as I was hearing their stories, their budget when they were giving to missions would be less than maybe a quarter, less than a fifth of the, of the budget that we give per month. And look, I'm not saying this to, to brag or be prideful in any way. I'm saying this because our church emphasizes that all of that, all that has been given to us, all that we are giving has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God. It's because, it's because God has simply allowed us to be a part of his miracle that we are here today. We don't have some special program in place that makes us support more missionaries. It's not because we have something more, that we have a different thing or a different plan or a different purpose or anything like that. No, no, We're simply following after the Lord and God has decided to bless us in this way. And so what we can do for the past 20 years and what we will do in the next 20 years is simply say, God, thank you for blessing us in this way. How can we continue to serve you? That is the call of our church. That is the call of a Christian. Is that your call? Is that something that you believe? That when you look upon your life, are you thankful knowing that God has given you every single thing in your life? The Bible says that every good and perfect gift is from him. Do you believe that? 
that the health that you have, that the family that you have, that the church that you have, that the work that you have, that the roof that is over your head, that the breath that, the breath that you breathe, all of that is from the Lord. All of that is a blessing from him. Do you believe that? I want you to know that if walls have been torn down, that if there are blessings in your life, it is not because of anything you or I have done. It's not because of the work of our hands. It is not because of the intellect of our minds. It is not because of the passion of our hearts. It is simply through the power of God. And it is so important to remember that because this was the sin of Achan. And this was a sin that God deemed so grave and so dangerous that he stopped everything, allowed failure to come to make sure that they found that hidden sin within that camp and they took it out. You see, for Achan, this sin manifested itself through material possessions. Achan believed that he deserved this money. He believed that he deserved these clothes and so he kept it for himself. But God is explicit in saying that Achan had stolen what was rightfully his. You can't steal from yourself. And yet God, he says, what Achan did was he stole from me. Look, when it comes to offering and tithes, church, how much you give is up to you. Our church is never going to force you to give. The only thing I ask the only thing we ask is that when you think about your offering and tithes, do you believe that the money you give is yours or did it already belong to the Lord? Is the money that you give something that God has given to you, something that he's only allowing you to borrow? Or do you believe it's something that you personally have earned for yourself? What is your mindset when you give? And does that affect the way and the amount that you give to the Lord? It doesn't matter about the amount of money. You see, God, he's going to take care of this church, whether or not you give. What he cares about is your heart and whether you understand that everything that you have belongs to him. That's the first lesson. The second lesson is that God teaches the Israelites that prayer is the priority. You see, after Achan takes the city of Jericho, they could have still won against Ai. I actually believe that. Because I believe that if the Israelites had just followed the same steps for Ai as they had done back in Jericho, it would have been okay. That God would have allowed them to continue. Here's a small uh, homework assignment, okay? I want you to go home. And uh, reread chapters 6 and chapter 7. And I want you to look at the battle strategy of Jericho and compare it to the battle strategy of Ai. All right? The assignment is to go home, reread chapters 6 and 7, and compare the battle strategy between the two. Now, because I know you're not going to do it, I, I brought the answer for you. Here's how they win in Jericho, okay? Spies are sent out. The people pray. God gives them a plan, and they follow the plan, and they're victorious. That's, the, that's the, the plan in Jericho. That's what happened. That's the strategy in Jericho. The spies are sent out. The people pray. God gives them a plan. 
They follow the plan and they're victorious. Now, here's what happens in AI. Spies are sent out. The people make a plan. They go out and fight. The Israelites are defeated. And then Joshua prays. One more time, all right? Here's what happens in AI. The spies are sent. The people make a plan. Israel is defeated. And then Joshua prays. You see, prayer has to come before everything. It doesn't come after you win. It doesn't come after you lose. And for Israel, I believe that if they had prayed before the battle, God would have shown them the sin that was within their camp. I believe that if they had simply prayed to the Lord before going into battle with AI, God would have shown them what was, what was hurting them in the long run. And they would have been able to take that out, and they would have been able to defeat the city of Ai. But instead, because they did not pray, and because they did not seek God first, they were defeated, and it says their hearts turned to water before the enemy. They were afraid. Do you see that? This, these people who are so confident in Jericho, who are so confident as they walked around the city of Jericho, as they were walking around this huge fortified town, when they went up against this small little city called Ai, they were so absolutely afraid. Church, in the life of a Christian, the difference between fear and courage is prayer. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. When it says that we have boldness in prayer, it doesn't mean that we are bold because God will always give us the answer that we want. It doesn't mean that we are bold because we are always going to have victory and success within this world. That's not, that's not why we have boldness. This word boldness in the Greek means absolute confidence because the authority that God has within our lives. It is absolute confidence knowing that God has the ultimate authority within this entire world. It means that no matter what result God gives, we are confident because we prayed first and we believe that God always keeps his promises and is always working for his glory and for our good. And so we are confident that no matter what the result is, as long as we are faithful to him, he continues to lead us in the right direction. In Exodus 14, you see Moses and the Israelites, they are going up against the Red Sea in front of them. They had just left Egypt, and as they look at the Red Sea, they look behind them, and they realize that the Egyptian army is right behind them. And so the children of Israel, they are afraid. And it says that they were crying out to Moses, saying, why did you take us out of Egypt? They were in so much fear, and yet here it says Moses was different. For Moses, he was, the, he was in the exact same situation, facing the exact same obstacle, but for him, he was not afraid. In fact, it says that he was confident in the Lord. Now, why was he confident? He wasn't confident because he knew that God was going to open the Red Sea. There's no way that he would have known that from the beginning. The reason Moses was confident was because from the very beginning, he was walking and talking with the Lord. He trusted in his promises, and he knew that no matter the outcome, as long as he was faithful to God, God would continue to work out his promises in his life. 
Moses was bold because he was walking with the Lord. Moses was bold because he was able to pray first, and he trusted in the Lord. If we pray and act, then we will be confident in our result no matter what it is. Even when I pray for you guys, when I pray for our students, when I pray for a good job result, when I pray for, if you're coming up against a good, what, if you're going for a, a job or you're going, applying for colleges or if you're taking a test, it's okay if you don't make it. We'll pray for it, yes. But you can be confident in the fact that you are praying and walking with the Lord and that whatever outcome happens, it is the best outcome for you. That is the best outcome for God's glory and is the best outcome for your good. And so as long as you stay faithful to him, you are confident that no matter the result, God is able to keep his promises for you. And ultimately, our boldness in the promises of God, it comes from the fact of God's authority within our lives. That he is the creator of the whole universe. And not only that, that he loves us. That he was willing to give his one and only son to die on the cross for us. And so if he was willing to give his one and only son to die on the cross for each and every one of our sins, what wouldn't he do in your life? What sea wouldn't he open? What wall wouldn't he tear down for you? We believe in a God who has given everything, and he is a God who will be faithful to you. I just want to end with a couple application points. First is that prayer and action, they have to go together. I think for too many of us, we tend to separate the two, and we say we just need to pray or, or maybe we just need to act, but prayer and action always go hand in hand. After the Israelites are defeated, Joshua, he falls on his face and he prays to God. And as Joshua prays, God's response in verse 10 is to tell Joshua to get up, find the sin, and deal with it. Prayer, it must come first. Prayer must be foundational. It is how our will is aligned to God's. But it's only the first step. If your relationship with God is not where it should be, then yes, pray first. Come to early morning service. Pray, prioritize him. However, God has given you the spiritual sensitivity and the community of believers to find out the sins in your life that are hindering you from a relationship with him. And he is asking you to look at those things, to take them out, and to move forward. You see, New Year prayer requests are great. But if your prayer request is to be faithful in your quiet time, that's step one. What is step two for you? What is the action that you're taking to be more faithful? What is the action that you're taking to be able to have QT more often? If your prayer request is to be a more loving spouse, that's great, but that's only step one. What is the action that you're taking to be more loving? What is the action that you're taking to be able to spend more quality time together? Prayer and action must go together. And lastly, it's never too late. It's never too late. The Bible says that they lost in chapter 8. But after they lost in chapter 8, it says that they dealt with Achan 
they prayed again, God gave them a plan, and then chapter 8 is their redemption story. Because they followed God's plan, and they defeated AI. Yes, they lost in the beginning, but we see that the Israelites, they were repentant, and they prayed, and God gave them victory in chapter 8. Church, what that means is that it's never too late to pray. It's never too late to go back to the Lord. No matter what you've done, no matter how messed up you were, no matter how mistake-ridden your life has been, if you come before the Lord with a repentant heart, he will forgive you and he will set you right. When Jesus died and rose again, he broke every chain. He broke every wall. And he broke the power of death. Our Lord Jesus Christ has the power over the storms. And he has proven that he has the power over life and death itself. So go before him and pray because it is never too late. Amen? Let's pray.